You're listening to The Finch and the Pharaoh. The Finch and the Pharaoh. This is The Finch and the Pharaoh. On Spirit Live. First things first, the Toronto Raptors and Milwaukee Bucks had the rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. We're also going to talk about uh, Joel Embiid versus Carl Anthony Towns. Transition over to hockey for a bit, talk a little bit of Toronto Maple Leafs, and then the World Series as the Nationals won in Game 7 to take down the Houston Astros, followed by our Rams recap, if we have enough time. But first, let's hear that, Raptors. It's time for some Raptors talk on the Finch and the Pharaoh. Thank you very much, voice guy. It's good to be here. Yes, my name is Jackson Farrow, the aforementioned co-host of the Finch and the Farrow. And today's show, Zach, I mean, it could really go one way or the other. I was uh, I was doing some some little previews about 20 minutes, half an hour ago before we started, and they were just a dog's breakfast on my end. So oh. I think this is really going one way or the other today in terms of what I can bring to the table. So but you're either going to be... Spitting straight facts. Yeah. I'm either Howard Stern or some crazy someone guy else. Not Howard Stern. Maybe more like uh, Jackson Farrow, if you will. Yeah. Tough start to the show already. But let's get into the Raptors talk here. So they uh, they lose to the Bucks in a Eastern Conference Finals rematch. At least that's what it was built up to be uh, from the Milwaukee side specifically. Uh, but you know, Zach. I, was it that? Was it really supposed to be an Eastern Conference Finals rematch here so early on? I mean, it is only November. I feel like storylines are always trying to get made in the NBA, and I feel like it was a clear-cut reason to do so with it being the Eastern Conference Finals of last year. And you know what? I don't blame anyone for seeing it that way. Obviously, everyone knows the Raptors are a different team, and we've all talked about it before. I don't really want to talk about it again, but it was still... uh, an Eastern Conference rematch, and hey, that got audiences to tune in, and it was a big game for the Bucks to prove that they can separate themselves from the Raptors. Well, and and even Giannis said himself after the game, "We've got to get better." And they've, you know, they've they're they're used to blowing leads in the game so far this season, and um, you know, I think even Fred VanVleet made a good point and said, "You know, we had a good game plan, we just didn't execute it very well." There's going to be games like that, and that's the kind of playoff mentality, a winner's mentality that you want if you're a Raptors fan in this team. And Fred VanVleet, you know, he exemplifies that better than anyone else. Yeah. Um, But Kyle Lowry, two points in the fourth quarter. I mean. Yeah, he did help carry them. And unfortunately, they did lose by 10, 115, 105. But I feel like that in itself is a little deceiving. It was always a two, three, four point game up until that final possession final few possessions where the Raps just couldn't quite string it together but yeah going back to your point Lowry had a great game overall guy had 36 points in 38 minutes but you're right his fourth quarter productivity definitely went down and the Raptors suffered for it only 15 points in the fourth to add on to only 17 points in the first tough to win when you're using those kind of stats yeah and at the end of the day it's a fourth quarter league and the reality is the Raptors put up 15 points in the fourth quarter so can't be know, doing that. Like, yeah, okay, you put up 40 in the third. Awesome. Lowry got 17 of those. Now, if Lowry puts up another an extra, you know, 10, so he puts up 12 in the fourth quarter as opposed to two, different ballgame, right? Yeah. So I think box scores and everything else is so deceiving. If you watch the game, which I didn't get the chance to, um, you would probably think much different of Lowry despite him putting up 36 points. Um, and he had some things to say post game, didn't he, Zach? 
Yes, he did. We're going to roll a clip up now of Kyle Lowry talking post-game after their loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Turnovers. A lot of things didn't go right, but learning. Learn from it and uh, move on. You personally seem to, you know, will this team back in. I mean, you guys, I mean, you have it down to four with the ball and what looks like a layup by Mark is, is blocked. And, I mean, it's, I mean, you guys were able to get back into this ball game. We're going to fight and scrap and, um, you know, we're going to continue to always try to win games and play as hard as we possibly can. Um, you know, shit happens. Some, my bad. Things happen and, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and, uh, you know, we'll watch the film or whatever. We'll get better and. One game. Things happen. <laughs> yeah, things happen. A little uh, uncensored Kyle Lowry for you guys. But, you know, I think they did their best. They had their hot and cold streaks. And you know what like, I wanted to mention for this game? I, I, did get, I, I did have a chance to watch the Raptors game, and I've been watching a decent amount all year. And one guy who just has not done it for me and probably has not done it for Raptors fans is Mr. Marc Gasol. Although age is definitely playing a factor, he only got 10 points last night, which isn't bad by any means. You know, he got a double, 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 uh, 12 rebounds. Good for him. But he just looks slow out there. He looks slow getting to the top of the key, looks slow driving the net, hasn't been able to create any space, and hasn't been able to spread the floor like he did so well last year, able to space it out, hit that 3-1 needed. But this year, I don't think he's the same. I think he is going to hinder the Raptors' success. But overall... Um, only a small piece to the pie. Yeah, I mean, I think they knew that that was going to happen, I think, or they yes. had a good picture of it when they traded for Marcus last year. It was a one-year rental, and he had an opt-out, or he had a, a player option uh, for this year, and he obviously opted in. I think he's making around $25 million this year, so smart from his perspective. You knew he was going to do it, and that this was the risk, right? You trade away JV, and you upgrade for last season, but Man, this season, I'm not so sure if it's an upgrade the way he's playing. He looks his age, right? And you can't blame him for that. He's old. But as a Raptors fan, I think you can still count on Marcus Gasol to bring the intangibles, right? That that off-the-court impact. He's been there before now. He's won before. He won Defensive Player of the Year before. So he he has a good grasp of IQ of basketball. And that's something you don't lose with age. And I think that's something that Masai and Bobby Webster and the Raptors are counting on. And they're hoping that his body, you know, he could, they could just squeeze anything else they have left out of him uh, for the remainder of the season. But I, I think they're actually squeezing as much as they can out of him until the trade deadline. And they dish this guy, see you, sayonara. Well, who's taking him on, though, right? It's, it's a one-year rental you're looking for a bench guy for the playoffs with experience, with experience I guess, you know yeah. a, a role player he's not going to play the same role that he did on the raptors on last year's championship team but yeah. i think the best move for the raptors right now is to push this guy to his limit until the trade deadline and then you can say we know you're only on the down way that yeah. didn't make sense but anyway <laughs> uh we only know you're on a downward spiral yes. that's what i should have said yes. and thus goodbye give us some second round picks if that and we'll go from there. Yeah, that's probably what you're looking at, right? You know, maybe they or maybe they do like a deal where, you know, they they give up Marcus Saul and they get maybe like a, a younger bench center coming back. You know, kind of just swapping bench guys. You know, you know what I mean? Something yeah, like yeah. that. It, it won't be this big blockbuster trade like it was last year because Marcus Saul has clearly regressed. Don't forget, Zach. He had the shortest summer of his career because he goes to the NBA Finals, wins, which means that. Everyone else is already off, right? Other than Golden State and Toronto, everyone else was done for the season. So everyone else is already ahead of you in terms of their rest and rehabilitation for next year. 
Yet they're still playing very meaningful games. And then he goes and he plays for Spain in the FIBA Basketball World Cup. So at the age of 34. So this guy, he's looking his age all right right now. He is probably just gassed. Yeah, and... Honestly, from a fan's perspective, you can't have your eight. You can't. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. At the end of the day, you know, you mentioned the World Cup. That didn't really affect fans in Canada, but still good for him. And he but, still partied pretty hard. And he still partied pretty hard. This guy knows how to. This guy knows how to knows how to lose his mind. Oh, that's what I'm talking. About. That's what I'm talking about when I say off the court impact. Yes. <laughs> guy likes to party. Guy yeah. likes to shoot corks out of champagne bottles all the time but yes you can't have your cake and eat it too jackson you can't um ask for him to win you or be a part of winning you a championship and then be like yeah he's a little tired now yeah and listen like the raptors they made a risk they took a leap it worked out for them and now they're facing some repercussions with the alley Microsoft. but you know i don't think it's that bad even you know, because it's not like he's taking away. It's not like a Patrick Marlowe situation with the Leafs, where Marcus Saul is actively taking money away from young players who they the the team wants to sign. They have tons of cap space. Cap space is not a concern for them. So the money and and Marcus Saul's a player. It really doesn't matter too much as long as he can give you something. And so, I I think that. Right now, Marcus Saul, there's there's bigger fish to fry when it comes to the Raptors. And speaking of fish to fry, taking a look at the standings here, Raptors are still four and two. Um, you know they're 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 keeping pace. They're keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. You got to think Miami at five and one is not gonna keep that going for the rest of the year. I like their roster, but I don't love it. I don't like it over Milwaukee's or Toronto's or Indiana's. So I, I think uh, I think Tyler Hero's been quite quite something for Miami and then Jimmy Butler I mean they, they got a playoff team second place to your point I don't think that'll stay either but I think they're not getting as much credit as they deserve especially because they, they didn't they just blow out the Rockets yeah yeah they did listen they're they're the real deal like they're five and one right and they yeah they they beat them 129 to 100 and there then they go. got they got the Nuggets up next which is another good test for them listen good for them like and they're Kendrick Nunn as well, right? Like and Jimmy Butler. Like they have guys for sure, and they're really Pat Riley over there, you know, running the ship. Eric Spolstra. Those guys are pros. Like they know what they're doing. Um, and Miami's the real deal, but I just don't think they'll be second in the, you know, yeah, the Eastern yeah, no. Conference. And fifth, fifth spot going back to Toronto for yep. the Raptors. Uh, I could see them there. Yeah, it looks pretty good. And then honestly, the only two games they lost were the games they quote unquote should have lost. They could have, it should have won in some cases. We mentioned how the fourth and first quarter didn't work out against Milwaukee, but going into the season, it was always looked at the Boston Celtics, maybe, and the Milwaukee Bucks definitely are going to be placing above the Raptors. And Philly I, in there, too. Yeah, Philly's in there as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, looking at their two losses of the year, it makes sense. Everything makes sense. Everything yeah. is no surprises, going according really. to plan. Yeah, no surprises. Absolutely. Um, you know, and sticking with the whole no surprises thing, let's jump to maybe a little bit of a surprise um, in that, you know, this this whole Giannis and Tedekumpo thing, well, he's a free agent in 2021, reminds me a little bit about how much talk there was around a guy like Bryce Harper. Remember how much talk there was before he headed into free agency, even two years ahead? It was, it was conversation worthy, and... Yeah. Here's the headline I, report. Raptors likely to be one of Antetokounmpo's main pursuers. Of course they're going to be one of his main pursuers. Yeah. This is one of those things where... Are you shocked? I'm not shocked at all, but again, I hate when rumors like this come out way too far in advance because we don't know anything. We have learned in the past 
that we should not trust anything the media says. Remember when the Raps won, all of a sudden the Wizards were looking at Raptors president, Messiah Jerry? Literally the next day. The next day. And these are coming from the same sources two years in advance. How quickly did that one get shut down? Yeah. A couple hours, a couple days in advance. Yep. This story about Raptors potentially being the leaders. I hate that word, the leaders. They're in the they're in the mix for sure, but leaders to sign Giannis. Give me a break. Yeah, give me a break. Give me another year and a half before you even look at that. See how the Bucks season goes. See how the Raptors play their cards. There are so much factors that are on the table for this discussion. They don't know where to start because there really isn't anywhere to start. Well, I'll tell you what. If if that were to happen, <laughs> let's get crazy. Oh, don't get for a me second. wrong. Yeah, if it would happen, holy, that would be unreal. And combo with Siakam, and 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 combo could live on the Danforth and have free Greek food for the rest of his life. I mean, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm pushing it a little too far. All right, but here's one thing too. It's not like Woj is reporting this. It's I'm not gonna say the guy's name because I don't want to disparage him. I'm sure he's a great reporter. Uh, but and he's, he's with the, he's verified. He's like, with that's the all athletic, you have to know. Absolutely, but you know if it's not Woj and if it's not Mark Stein, or it's not Brian Windhorst, even Brian Windhorst, you know he's not as credible as he used to be. I could care less. I couldn't care less. I should say about these reports because, first of all, it's what a year and a half away. You yeah, know, there's too much time, and things could change, right? Like. What if Antetokounmpo tears his ACL tomorrow and all of a sudden he's no longer the same play he once was? Now, that's crazy talk, I know. But all I'm saying is that this is so far-fetched. Like, just can we just focus on the team that they have now? It's fun to think about Antetokounmpo coming here, but, you know, and he'd be an awesome fit, by the way. Yeah. And I know he has a relationship with Ujiri and, and Masai Ujiri. Masai tried to trade up in the first round in 2013 to draft him. Didn't do it. Um, but let's just let's just take it easy on that. I, I don't want to get too excited because, you know, I, I don't know if there's much of a point yet. Yeah, no. And to your point, the only things that has kind of given this story the platform it quote-unquote deserves, I guess not really in my opinion, but... They basically just said what you said. He has a, Giannis has a good relationship with Messiah Jerry, and he'd be a perfect fit. But what does perfect fit really mean? Because the team could look a lot different. I know in terms of him and Pascal, they can do a lot of damage. But there are a lot more scenarios and situations going down in an organization. Good fit, a, maybe a year from now, where we're about three-quarters of a season, getting towards half a year towards free agency maybe you can look maybe he's a good fit but we are a year and a half away a lot a lot can change yeah no kidding i mean he fits into the team right now does he fit into the team come 2021 exactly right i mean who the hell knows what happens by then right team can be completely reshuffled maybe something happens trade requests whatever it is the nba is nuts so he fits right now he sure does but 2021 is a long ways away and i think that's kind of the point we're trying to address there um, but with that being said, it, it'd be pretty cool to see him here. It'd be pretty cool to see him in a Raptors jersey. There's that one picture on Twitter of him holding like the We the North microphone and talking into it, and it's like that's the one being thrown around because it's like, well, you know, that's what it would be like if he came to the Raptors. Yeah, that's, that's the featured photo in every single. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> you know, it's it's fun to think about if you're a Raptors fan, and it's uh, it's very hopeful and. Toronto loves to sell hope, and they love to have hope. That's one of the few things that 
Toronto can Toronto sports always brings to the table is hope. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I think I think we should just wait and see. It'd be awesome, but let's wait and see on that. Yeah, let's not get too hyped. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, sticking with the NBA. There was a little something-something that happened between Minnesota and Philadelphia the other day. Uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns got into a little fist action. Yeah. Uh, we'll play you the audio here, so just just try to envision what's going down. Wow, how about Embiid the double, helping Simmons with Towns. Here's Horford blocked on the play. Wow, and look Whoa. at this. Whoa, Embiid going at it with Carl Anthony Towns. And the bench is empty. My goodness. What is going on? Ben's got him by the neck. Yeah, I mean, that's quite something. I love the, the reaction. Wow! Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, when everyone realized that stuff was going down. Yeah, and you, when you have the two, uh, two, two of the most polarizing big men in the league going at it, you're getting a reaction. And hell... Did you see everybody just run into that pile? Yeah, so for you who didn't have the opportunity to see it, basically what happens is Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, you know, they get a little tangled up when the ball is going the other way, and then tangled, that comes to pushing, comes to shoving, and then comes on to straight-up wrestling. Even Ben Simmons gets in there and gives uh, Carl Anthony Towns a nice little headlock. That's yep. that's pleasant. Yeah, no but kidding. yeah, honestly... It was entertaining and not surprising coming from a guy like Joel Embiid. We have known in the past that this guy wears his emotions on his sleeve. Sure he is not afraid to show it. You saw for that Kawhi shot, buddy, it was crying like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> was running to his girlfriend crying. Very emotional guy. And, you know, with the whole windmill thing, he gets super into it when he's losing, super out of it when they're losing. And I'm not surprised that the anger side of Joel Embiid came out when he got tangled with Carl Anthony Towns. Well, and there's few people in the league who can go at Joel Embiid. But one of those people is Carl Anthony Towns. Who It was who, a heavyweight match. Yeah, because they, they're the same size. No one else is going to fight that battle. Kyle Lowry's not going in there and fighting Joel Embiid. He's not, right? Embiid would sucker him. So uh, that was quite something, though. And it was just funny to see all the reaction online. And then, and then they went back and forth on Instagram and stuff, too. Towns and Embiid. Oh, yeah, there's, there's never any beef without a social media follow-up. Not anymore, especially in the NBA. And it's just, it's so personal. It's it's petty, uh, but it's dramatic, and that's what sells right now, right? So, uh, could, hey, good for uh, good for uh, their social media accounts, because I'll tell you what, they probably got a ton of followers off that one. Yeah. Both well, of them. I'm sure they're happy with that, but what they're not happy about is they did get two games. The NBA, of course, had to step in. Had to do something. Had to do something about it. Two games is a fair number. Two games too. for either person, but... I don't know. I think Ben Simmons should have got something for putting Carl Anthony Towns in a friggin' headlock. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty aggressive. But yeah. hey, um, they had, I guess you'd say, a decent fight. Not everyone thought it was decent. Here is actually Charles Barkley's take on tip off on TNT. So if it wasn't a fight, how would you characterize what went down in Philadelphia? A snuggle party. They were two guys, <laughs> two guys holding each other. <laughs> you got two good ones in the minutes. Two, there was party. no punches thrown. How can you call some of fighters that have no punches thrown? Oh, man. This dude said it was a snuggle party. <laughs> That's the first time. Snuggle party. I love that. Yeah, I love how we just hyped up the entire fight saying, that was crazy. You know, NBA needed this. And he's like, dude, literally no th- punches were thrown which is true they basically just you know wwe each 
each other to the floor. Well, because in Barkley's day, that fight is nothing. That fight happens, you know, after the game, you know, five times after the game. But, you know, it, nowadays that's a big deal because no one really fights anymore in the NBA. No one really fights, period, in, in most pro sports. So, because it's just changing times, changing rules, right? The league's faster than it's ever been. It's more skilled than it's ever been. And not just in basketball. So anytime we see a fight, and especially those two, two marquee names, two marquee big men, it's it's going to get reaction. But Charles we Barkley. Some, we want some Sergi Baca type stuff. Yeah. Well, who did he go up against last year? Oh. I, I don't quite remember the name, but all I remember is that Sergi Baca actually like threw a punch. Might have missed him, but a punch was at least thrown. A punch that wasn't thrown in uh, this fight over here, according to Charles Barkley, a snuggle fest, which is actually quite a hilarious take. Yeah, it sure is. And to him, it is a snuggle party. Cause he's and honestly, probably, I, I agree with him. Yeah, he's been in fights that are probably a hell of a lot worse than that. And it, honestly, it got broken up pretty quick. Like, it, it wasn't that crazy of a fight. It it would have been if it didn't get broken up. But both teams, I guess, and the refs did a quote-unquote good job breaking up the fight, depending on who you are, depending on what you like to see in a basketball game. Oh, yeah. um, but I think we're going to head to a quick break here. I'm going to play some Peace of Mind by Boston here. Finch and the Pharaoh, Spirit Live. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the Finch and the Pharaoh here. My name is Jackson Farrell. Alongside me today is Zach Finch. Uh, you know, Peace of Mind by Boston. Played that during the break. Reminds me of uh, playing GTA. That song always comes on. <laughs> anytime playing GTA, anytime you put on the Rock Channel, it's awesome. Love that song. Um, should note uh, that we are actually up on video today. Uh, on the Spirit yes, Live sir. video stream, if you decide that you want to see our faces as well as our audio, that's something that you can do. If you just want to hear our audio because our faces were built for radio, then you can go ahead and do that too. And I think that is definitely <laughs> the more popular option. Anyway, continuing with the show now, we're going to talk some Leafs. So, Voice Guy, take it away. Now it's time for the Finch and the Pharaoh's take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right. Thank you, voice guy. And yes, Toronto Maple Leafs, they've been in action. Honestly, a lot of the same. You know, the Leafs having their ups and downs. But something to note, they had a game against the Philadelphia Flyers, and they had a historic shootout for their franchise in 11 rounds. Yeah, you were you were talking about history with that shootout. Yeah, I had to make sure because I was like, man, that's a... <laughs> That's quite something. But yeah, 11 rounds, 22 shooters total. The Leafs end up taking down the Philadelphia Flyers. And honestly... So it was the longest shootout ever in Leafs history? Is that what In you're... Leafs history, correct. That's pretty cool. There's There's been longer, obviously. Was that one with uh, with Malik on the Rangers? Yes. 20-something like rounds. Where that defenseman does like that crazy move where he, he, he the puts legs. the puck... Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. That Not, was awesome. Nothing that crazy in this shootout, but anytime you have an 11-round shootout... It's interesting, nonetheless. I think a lot of people like continuous OT, but when a show ever goes that length, it's always fun to watch when you see all the guys on the team giving it their all, one-on-one, -on -one, just the player, just the goalie, and uh, yeah, they at least end up taking it in round 11. Yeah, I like how Jason Spezza scores, Spezza, however you want to say it. He scores in the uh, the shootout. Man, I'm, I'm sure he was skating back to the bench thinking, yes, Babcock. He's, he finally saw something. He finally. Because, <laughs> man, Babcock hates this guy so much. Like, yeah. they signed him in the summer, and he's just been scratched, fourth line, scratch, scratch, fourth line. Like, no opportunities. The only reason he's in the lineup is because Tavares is injured. That is the only reason. And he's still not getting very much ice time. Like, Babcock 
just hates him. Yeah, he he put Spezza on in the eighth round, and actually and he scored all fourteen shooters or all. I guess Travis Connecting scored first, but every round prior, so the first seven rounds, no one scored, and the Leafs had their backs up against the wall after Travis Konechny scored, and then in the eighth round, Jason Spezza, what'd you say, Spezza? Doesn't matter. I've I've never seen like any confusion. I thought it was always Spezza. Me too. But anyway, whatever. he scores, and then a couple more rounds go by, and then the twenty-second shooter of the, the the shootout, Andreas Janssen. Why was he why so would, late? Yeah, okay. Why are they putting him in the eleventh round? How does Spezza go before Andreas Janssen? Honestly, it it beats me. It was quite the shootout. And they're actually gonna play the last rounds, so the last two, the last shooters for each team. Another defenseman, Ivan Provorov. Wide in on Anderson. Right into his glove. Well, the goaltenders are dialed in, aren't they? They just haven't taken any of the bait, have they? They've been staying calm and not overreacting. Andreas Janssen, shooter number 11 for Toronto. And he scores, and the Toronto Maple Leafs win an 11-round shootout and get the extra point against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was quite something. Once again, I, I don't understand why Janssen was going so late. Maybe Babcock was trying to save him for, like, later. But what's the point of saving him I don't if you're not know. even going to get to him in the first place? The odds of it going 11 rounds is uh, very minute. You're right. You're right. I don't know, man. Babcock, he's... Questionable. Lots of questionable things. He benched Nylander in this one because he made a lousy defensive play, yet he keeps Matthews and Marner and Riley out no matter what. I mean, Riley and CeCe have some of the worst Corsi in the entire NHL, yet you keep pumping them out there and refusing to make changes, yet Nylander makes one mistake and you bench him. Sorry, I just had to get that. Do you think that's because Nylander's not really seen as the first guy or the first guys on the Toronto Police, he's kind of seen in that second tier of players. Sure, that shouldn't matter though. If you like, if you're gonna hold him accountable, you gotta hold everyone else accountable too. If yeah, anything. no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that he uh, he should or should not be held accountable. I'm just saying, like, do you think uh-huh. that's how Babcock? You think that's how Leafs Nation views this structure? I guess, but I mean, I don't. I, I think Babcock, Babcock, he is always hard on Elander. Right? He's always hard on skill guys in general. But I think he, he just tried to send a message to Nylander only. And I, I'm just wondering, why are you only sending the message to Nylander? Because Morgan could... Riley has been, he's been good offensively and he's got good stats. But man, his, him and CeCe have looked like me and you out there. Because, okay, honestly, I feel like he, I'm not going to question Mike Babcock. I'm sure he, I knows. Am. He, he knows a lot more than what I'm doing. But you look at offensive numbers, if you're, if you're Morgan Riley and you're, contributing on the offensive side it might balance out the mistakes you've made on the defensive end and again like I said before Riley is, is seen as the guy I feel like if you're gonna make a message to Morgan Riley that's after the game because if you bench Riley that is a message to the whole team and also I feel like if you bench Marner or Matthews first of all everyone loses their goddamn minds everyone 100%. is thinking what the hell is going on if you bench Nealander, Nealander is that safe bet where I feel like if you have to bench someone, he... He's the scapegoat. Uh, and he's, he's the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And if if he's actually doing something wrong out there, then yeah, you can give him a solo message. But I feel like if you take out Marner or Matthews, it's not a solo message being sent to that player. 
It's a message being sent to the team where I feel like Nylander is the top guy in that second tier, just below Marner, Matthews, Tavares, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it clearly didn't work uh, because Leafs had 72% uh, possession in the first period, yet in the second period, their possession was below 30%, which is awful, and then 39% in the third. So they had a good first period, and then after that, it was all Philly. For yeah, the most no, part. Leafs, Leafs should have lost that game. They no, grinded no, out a No question. And I feel like they always come out to a hot start. I feel like we've talked about it a million times. They have hot starts. They slow down. They give up leads. But in this case, they ended up squeaking out the win. I wouldn't even say it's that, though. I think they're just inconsistent. You they'll have bad starts, and then they'll you, figure it out in the second. It's either or. Would they you, can't would you, play a full 60. Would you categorize them into bad periods or bad games as a, as a whole? That is like contributing to their success slash failure. Well, I, I think they've had games that have been bad. But they also think I, I think I think it's a combination of both because you see this against the Flyers where they go from a great period to a bad period ends up almost costing them the game. Then you look at the Saturday Nighter just a, a week prior against the Montreal Canadiens where they were just flat the entire yeah. game. The entire game. The, the entire most part. game. I feel like it's inconsistency, but also it's inconsistency on different parts of the game when you actually have a good period. They find a way to have a bad period, which levels out, which I feel like they're not really leveling out their yeah. their wins and losses right Babcock's now. Babcock's just not making adjustments right now. For whatever reason, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, he's just he's refusing to make many adjustments right now other than simple things like benching Nylander. So he's an Olympic coach, I think. That's why this guy's on Team Canada, because you can bench Crosby sure. and then throw out Taves. Who cares? But also, but the, the, I don't the, really care how good in the like he's they're fourth in the Atlantic division, right? And and that's fine. And they're still very much in the hunt, but you know, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more of them. I think they have much more potential to give, and they didn't deserve that win. They did not deserve to win on Saturday night. They got really lucky. And I'll tell you what, if not for Andreas Janssen and Jason Spezza, you know, then they only have one point. And then we're, it's a completely different angle that we're taking, right? Yeah, I feel like I don't this gets it. blown way out, way out of proportion if they lose that game. 100%. And now they take on L.A., uh, what is it, on Wednesday? Or, uh, uh, Tuesday. T- Tuesday, tomorrow yeah. night. And the Kings are five and nine. They're one and four in their last five. They're on a road trip. This is a you better take this. This game. is a must win, if I do say so myself, Jackson. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even that it's a must win. It's like, are you a decent team? Are you a yeah, capable no. team? Because like a this, good team this, takes this game. This is a character game at home with rest. Like, please. Like, if if you're a Leafs fan, you are banking two points. You are putting down your mortgage payment on the Leafs to win on. Tuesday night. Well, maybe you shouldn't. I, but I don't know about mortgage payment, but I'll definitely throw down a five. <laughs> well, we don't have mortgage payment. It's that university budget. Yeah, we're in university. But Even uh, if I lose five dollars, it doesn't sit yeah, right. No kidding. Yeah, five bucks is a lot. And you it need. is. But, you know, it. they need this win on Tuesday night. If they don't get it, let's say they lose 3-2, 3-1, 3-0. I don't care. If they lose in regulation, they are getting pounced on on Wednesday. And our friends, Aiden, Aiden Silifant, Connor Somerville, better come in here. On Thursday, their show's on Thursday, right? Yeah. And yeah. they better just cook them alive. That's what I expect. If they lose on Wednesday, I'm coming in to talk with Aiden and Connor about it. Because I will be off the wall. They can't, dude, they can't lose on Tuesday. I'm sounding like a fan here, mm. but I don't buddy, know. There's I no feel way. Like, okay. I feel like it's just one of those things where like, you come into bad stretches. And I've said it so many times, spanning across so many leagues. Good teams often lose to the bad teams just off of okay you can look at the game you can you can break down the game 
you can either say, okay, they went wrong here. They didn't. They obviously didn't have their best game. But, you know, sometimes, as Kyle Lowry says best, bleep happens. And bleep might sure. happen because the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they're playing the LA Kings, <laughs> who has veteran players on their team who and they know Jake who maybe who maybe pot one or two home maybe we don't know we don't know we don't know we don't know I don't know but I, it, don't get me wrong it's a game Leafs should win they need to 100% like, but I don't think we lose faith in them because they lose and we write them off oh this team is is bad Mike Babcock we've we've already had this discussion a million times I feel like it's not a must win game because we're in the third week of the season I will turn into Leafs Twitter wanting to fire Mike Babcock if they lose on Tuesday night I don't. Okay. Well, okay. If if this happens, if this happens, I don't care. Aiden Connor, we are putting you on the spot. We did not ask. We kind. I kind of feel like a jerk right now. <laughs> but too. if the Leafs lose on Wednesday, let's come on. Let's go on their show. It's uh, if they it, let us. Yeah, if they let us. It's two. It's two to three o'clock. Two to three o'clock on Spirit Live on Thursdays. Uh, they do a great job in this show, by the way. I just want to butter them up a little bit so they don't get too upset at us for just jumping onto their show. But the point is, <laughs> a win tomorrow night means everything to this group right now because they're a fragile group they've played inconsistent and the point is there's a lot of heat on this team Uh, right now a lot of it coming from us but also a lot of it deservedly so so figure it out beat a team that you're way better than and way faster than and if you don't there's trouble i don't think it makes a team feel better i think it just means like oh thank god we can at least beat them but isn't that a problem in of itself i don't think you because if you're being the kings we just kind of talked about it uh, it's not like you're you're taking down the Tampa Bay Lightning or it's a big morale boost. Like you beat the you beat the Kings. No, like, but it's know, more like up, what happens if you lose and that insinuation yeah. if you lose. It's like wow, you guys are a joke. Yeah, because the Kings are a joke. If you can't beat them with rest at home with a faster team, a younger team, a better team, a better coach, get out of here. Yeah, Give me I a feel break. like I feel like for some fans and for some players. You know, that big red panic button looks a little tempting if they lose that game. I'm slapping but, it. But what I feel like is that if they win that game, you don't go ahead and press the button where it's like, we are rescued. That is it. Thank God. No, you beat the Kings. You move on, and like you should have won that game, and you did. And I feel like we're getting way too deep in a game that hasn't even happened yet. I, I demand a win. All right, let's move on yeah, here. We, we got to move on. We got to move on. Speaking of wins... The Washington Nationals, first World Series in franchise history. I mean, I think the story of the whole series, they hit 280 in the seventh inning or later in the World Series. That is clutch. Right. That's Straight it. up clutch. And honestly, if you take out the three games where they lost, they win four to nothing. That's a stupid stat. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, back, back, back on topic. Wow, instant um, analysis. They, they, the difference the between when they won all their games on the road versus when they lost all their games on the road was the clutch hitting. Mm-hmm. And if you look at more specifically the games they won, they were much more uh, effective in the clutch to bring home runs, runs batted in, especially when there's runners on base in scoring position. They just executed better on the road. For whatever reason, I don't know. That's never happened before where a team has come in and at all seven games go to the road team. But, hey, whatever whatever works for you, I guess. Well, and there's always two sides to the coin, right? Do you look at it and say, well, Houston just couldn't hit at home. They were not clutch. Or do you look at Washington was clutch 100%, but Houston could have matched them. Houston had the firepower to do it. And Or let me look at it from this way. Was it Houston's bullpen not performing? Right? That's an angle of it, too. Because Washington's bullpen was phenomenal. Yeah, especially after this whole season of being ridiculed, of being one of the worst bullpens in the league. They step up when it matters most. Daniel Hudson with the save, hey? 
Daniel former Hudson, Blue former Blue Jay, getting that final strike for the Nationals slash Expos, might I do add. This guy was jobless in March, and then he just threw the strikeout pitch to win the World Series in October. That's you something talk he's going to remember for the rest of his life. A range of emotions and just a whirlwind of an experience. Good for him, man. I'm so happy for him. And, you can, and all you can only Nationals. imagine. You can only imagine what happens, and um, obviously pitching getting an extra little highlighted area in terms of Strasburg. He ended up taking home the World Series MVP. And this is why I thought the Nationals were going to win all along. If you want to go back a couple episodes, I think I, I said Nats in seven when everyone disagreed with yeah, me. Yeah, and but, me and Josiah both took Astros in six. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah. And, you know, the Nationals in the postseason were 10-0 in games that Strasburg and Scherzer started. Yeah. That's another story, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, Strasburg wins World Series MVP, and he gets a Corvette. He gets a 2020 Chevrolet Corvette. I hasn't mean, even been released yet. Hasn't even been released. Apparently, he's not even getting it for a while because they're so backlogged, right? But The one that took the photo with, why can't they just use that one? Well, you'd think, right? It's probably not meant for the road. It's probably just meant for show. But, hey, I mean, whatever. And Did- put an engine in it. <laughs> right? Is that I, how cars work? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a car guy. I don't know. I took auto in grade 10. That's about as far as I went. But he gets a Chevy Corvette, Corvette. And I want to talk about this just because, like, usually they give them, like, a freaking Honda Civic. And they're like, congratulations, guys. We're going to give you a, you know, a Honda Ridgeline. And the player's like, wow, thanks. Yeah, wow. I already have two Porsches and a Bentley at home. Yeah, this one's going to my, this one's going in the garage and never. It's literally going home. in the ditch. Yeah, literally. I'll I'll drive that when I, you know, when I'm 85 years old, right? Like that one, or you give it to your neighbor or something, right? Yeah. Like, but a Corvette, a 2020 Chevy Corvette, that's what I'm talking about. See, that <laughs> that is the prize that will get people to care. Now, yeah. of course, everyone cares. We need, about we need this in every All Star game because I'm sick and tired of Chevrolet yes. bringing out the Chevrolet Cruze and yeah. I don't know some big shot like Sidney Crosby's like. Yeah. Great. As if he wants it. As if he's actually going to drive that thing around. Give me a break. Oh no, he. This guy drives it for five minutes with cameras in the yeah. car. They make a little commercial, yeah. and then this guy's like, "All right, where can I drop it off?" Yeah. The second they say cut, he drives it back to the dealership, takes his Bentley, and goes home to his other Bentley and his Range Rover and his Ferrari. Right. Speaking of money and being able to spend that money on cars, Strasburg opts out of his four-year deal with a hundred million on the table. He thinks he can get a bigger deal than that. I think he can too. What do you think? Yeah, no, this is totally strategic. And I think it's it's happened a fair amount. Yeah. Opting out is league. a big thing yeah. in baseball. And you opt out and you As he should. If you don't sound with another team, which may happen, we don't know. But at the end of the day, is you usually opt out of a contract to sign another contract with the same team for higher values. And especially coming off that World Series MVP, this guy's like, yeah. give me the money now. Yeah, that was a no-brainer to opt out. Anybody and their mother would opt out of that deal because you can get so much more than four years and $100 million off off what he just did, right? Yeah, no. And then when you have him and Scherzer yeah. going oh, God. back in next season, 1-2. Well, if he comes back, right? If what he if he decides back. to leave? There's there's a whole other discussion to be had. It's a, definitely a two sided conversation. You can go to the Nats again, and you know all remains the same. How about or, the Angels? Or he goes to the Blue Jays. Oh yeah, Strasburg's coming up. North. Strasburg and Garrett Cole. It's gonna be yeah. Oh, no, he's bringing his Corvette not. with him. Definitely not. He's coming up north. He's Why gonna have bring to get his some Corvette snow tires to Canada. On. Yeah, no way. <laughs> this guy just want a Corvette. He's like, I am not going to Canada. Screw no, that. No, no, I don't. He's not. 
I think he, he'll probably stay in Washington and just get a bigger deal. They'll probably give him, you know, eight years, 200 That's million. That's what it's gearing up to be. Right. And I feel like we're totally on the same page when it comes to this. I don't think he... Yeah. Why would you leave that situation? He's been there his whole career. They drafted him. They developed him. They're willing to pay him whatever he wants. They're, to me, that's a no-brainer. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, though, and, and whether or not... Um, you know, he does leave, probably won't. But if he does, man, he's got himself quite a resume and he could go add to that if he goes to a team like the Yankees or the Angels and tries to win another one there. Yeah, and the Yankees has actually been the one team that has stood out, I guess you'd say, in terms of Strasburg dropping or opting out of his contract because mm-hmm. same kind of deal with what we were talking about earlier with Giannis. Everyone's like, he's a perfect fit. Yeah, he's he sure this, is. he's that. He's a good pitcher. I'm sure he's a perfect fit on any team. I mean, I think Hal Steinbrenner, um, partial owner of the Yankees, mentioned that they were willing to they were willing to spend some money this offseason. And, and whenever if they're not spending money, you like you bet that they're going to be knocking on the doors and at least inquiring. Yeah. Oh, they're making phone calls because the Yankees we talked about it earlier just money. won a whole decade without winning, which is un-Yankee like. They're probably going to try to start off the 2020s on the right foot. They're getting desperate, and that means they are. That they're going to start spending because that's what they do when they get desperate. The Yankees just they start just making it rain in free agency, just signing everybody left, right, and center because they can do that. And that's what yeah, because they have the power to do it, which yeah. is why the MLB doesn't give every team a fair chance, <laughs> which is why the league's kind of stupid in that way. But which is why we watch Ryerson which is why sports. we watch Ryerson <laughs> sports. Screw the big leagues. But you know what? Congrats to the Washington Nationals. Uh, congrats to the Montreal Expos, more importantly, at least in my eyes. Family from Montreal. I'm sure they appreciated it. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. And speaking of Ryerson, we're going to head into our Ryerson Rams recap as we lower the music there. audio. We apologize. Jackson, why don't you start it off with men's hockey? So men's hockey. Uh, they beat Laurentian and RMC. Two teams are at the bottom of the OUA Eastern Conference standings over the weekend. Got a much-needed four points. Now, they squeaked both the victories out. Um, but nonetheless, they got the wins. They're going to head to North Bay to take on Nipissing on Wednesday. Yes, and you actually got to cover the game against RMC. Mm-hmm. Quite a good job, if I do say so myself. Thanks, bud. But the fact of the matter is women's hockey was also playing. They They lost. They lost at Guelph, and they lost at York, unfortunately. But now they're coming back home, where they will face the Queen's Gales at the Madame Athletic Center. Switching over here, speaking of the Madame Athletic Center, the men's basketball team lost both their games at the MAC to Lakehead on Friday and Saturday, and they're going to host Windsor on Friday, looking to redeem themselves here. Yeah, and switching over to the women's basketball team, they uh, swept Lakehead on Friday and Saturday, took that back-to-back, and will also host Windsor on Friday. So Windsor is going to be at the MAC this Friday, so be there. Oh, yes, sir. No one wants to miss Windsor. No. Uh, heading over to men's volleyball. Obviously, Ryerson volleyball program, phenomenal. Both uh, the men and women's team. Starting with the men's team, they beat York and Nipissing on the road, and they're going to play at Guelph on Friday. Yes, and continuing with the prestige volleyball program, the women's volleyball team. They beat York and Nipissing as well, on the road as well, and they will play Guelph on the road on Friday. Basically the exact same script as the men's volleyball team, yes. keeping it simple, and the women's volleyball team, they're at least 4-0 in the OUA. They're 4-0, yeah, 4-0 this season, 
in the OUA. Yeah, there the we men, go. The men's team is three and one. Both teams off to a good start. It's important to see. Um, both incredible programs. So good for them. Yeah, that awesome. is your Ryerson Rams recap. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see a lot of good sports going on, and especially the women's volleyball team without Theana Vernon. She was their all-star for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And now she's gone, obviously 4-0. They don't need her help. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, not yet. As of now, so far, so good. And, yeah, before you recover an RMC, that was a scary game. They should have crushed them, but yeah. RMC definitely kept it close. And you were giving the fans what they wanted to hear all the time, <laughs> every time you opened your mouth. Yeah, I. Uh, it was fun. I got to cover the game as a sideline reporter. RMC, there's something else, because... RMC is the Royal Military College of Canada, right? So everyone who's there is, you know, in military training. And it's kind of cool to see their sports teams, how they play a very rugged, rough, meat potatoes kind of style because that's what they oh, are, yeah. right? All the grinders go to RMC because, yeah. you know. But they'll they'll grind you out, and they did that. Yeah, they're shooting targets with, you know, yeah. with guns on a Wednesday, <laughs> and then I don't know what happens to RMC. And then they also they got to play hockey. Of course they're going to be aggressive. These guys were all tanks. They were all... Yeah. Physical thick. out there, yeah, thick boys out mm-hmm. there, physical threats, and obviously Ryerson just couldn't quite counter it. Well, they could, actually. They, they, they won. Slightly. <laughs> they couldn't quite counter it to the best of their ability. That's true, yeah. no. what I was trying to say, Jackson. It did definitely throw them off, and I think one thing, too, is that Ryerson definitely got a wake-up call with that first goal that RMC scored uh, to make it one nothing. and Ryerson, they retired, but so was RMC, so I don't count that. But, hey, they got the win. That's what matters. Uh, as we come to the end of the show here... Just want to say thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, our podcast will be up soon for episode number four. Of this is now, right? Yes, episode four. So it's on Anchor, uh, Breaker, uh, Radio Host, Radio Spot, something like that. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want. You can find us. Find us uh, Apple Music. Yeah, not Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. We don't want to get into that. No. Uh, nothing's happened. They just haven't accepted us yet. For whatever yeah. reason. Apple Podcast has a very different way of doing things. So yeah. by the time you hear this on Apple Music, it's probably a month in advance. And this means yeah. zero relevance to you whatsoever. It's probably the year like 2045 by the time yeah. this thing goes up live. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed today. Obviously, it was a big weekend in sports. We wanted to touch on the Embiid versus Cat fight, as well as the Nationals winning in Game 7. I think those are some of the biggest storylines. Not too much going on right now in Toronto, but enough that we have something to say about it. And we got pretty fired up. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night against the Kings. And then make sure to tune in to Aiden and Connor on Thursday to see our reactions. We'll see you soon. This has been the Finch and the Pharaoh.